Yes, Jeff. I did get you too. <laughs> I did get skimmed by a car one time when I was drunk walking home. Knocked me out of my shoes. My friend found me on the on the road with my shoes off, and I was like, I think I got hit by that car. And they're like, dude, you got hit by a fucking car. We heard it. Yeah. Did Did you catch the car? Oh no, they they were. We, I was walking across the sidewalks while stumbling, and they're at uh, a stop sign, and they turned into me, and like clipped me and knocked me down, and I was out of my shoes, and I was walking from one friend's house to another friend's house, and I was couch surfing at both their houses, so like I would just kind of parade back and forth in the middle. Of was the this night. in Spokane? No, this was here. This was like my second year here, my first year here. We were in between places, and two of my roommates, who were best friends kind of falling out so they didn't want to live together anymore and weirdly enough they moved a block away from each other <laughs> so they didn't really want to communicate but well, I was close with both of them so they're both just like yeah you can stay and switch off and on you tell they're, that son of a bitch yeah <laughs> so like one night I was just kind of they were both partying and I was bouncing back <clears> and forth and some drunk person in Happy Valley knocked me hit me down knocked me down I was all like rashed up from it and my friends had to come up and get me up off the ground, and I could barely remember it. What? Just like, there's just a lot of stuff that's happened to Justin that we still don't know about. I know, and I feel like some of it's not even true. Actually, Justin. <laughs> like Bill, or Who's, just like his other friends? Who knows? Who knows what happens in that guy's brain? Welcome to a perfectly acceptable pot. Oh fuck! <laughs> Django's back. Welcome to a perfectly episode pot. Welcome to a perfectly. <laughs> Welcome to a perfectly acceptable podcast. Episode one hundred and four. The actual one hundred and four, which was not last week. That was one hundred and three. Arithmetic, dumbass. Two fifty twos. Eat your heart out, Dan Didio. Oh, Whoa. it's a blood sacrifice to Dan Didio. <laughs> Summon the hot for Daniel. Um, where every <laughs> where every week we um, this is good. We're off to a good start, everybody. <laughs> where every week we get a bunch of comic books. We talk about those comic books with each other after going home and having read them and engaged in a sort of uh, comic discussion, reading material. Listen, we're back here now. Safe spot. Justin, Django, Jeffrey. It's J-Town. It's J-Town. Fuck you guys. The trip- Did you use two? Tippy art. No. I probably burped. I don't know. <laughs> I think that Maybe you I did. did. <laughs> I think that you did. I don't track it all so well anymore, Jeff. I got a lot on my mind. <laughs> it's why I wear underwear anymore. I can't even keep track of when I'm fearing. Variety of tangents, either related to or unrelated to the store, the books, or the comings and goings of our lives. I'm Jeff, and the boys are back in town. I'm Django. I don't know what that song is. Don't stop. I'm Justin. Oh, fuck. Sitting next to Django makes me feel a little warm. (laughs) Um, This week, we're going to be talking about some books. We're going to talk about the books and what happens in them, and maybe what's been happening in them for the last year. I don't know. Um, So, spoilers. 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 What do we need to talk about, my good, good daddy man? 
Let's uh, never call me Daddy Man again. At least on air. <laughs> it's just Daddy. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about Gideon Falls, number seven. We're going to talk about Thor, number six. We're going to talk about Exorcisters, number one. The New World, number four. Justice League Dark, number Dirk. four. Dirk. Number four. Dirk. And uh, Batman, 57. Oh. Probably some other stuff. Well read. I want a buckshot. Dude, <laughs> we have been hurting for a buckshot on this podcast for a, buck a while. Shirt? <laughs> that was pretty good, hey, too. Before we start, yes. can we just mention that uh, Wilson Large from The Dark Darkness dropped oh. off some beer? Not of the just shadows. He didn't just drop off some beer. He did one of the cooler things a nerd in this world can do. He went to the work of... Creating in partner with Boundary Bay Brewery a beer to support um, his podcast, graphic novel, sort of nerd collective. He does a lot. Um, Dark Darkness. So he's got like a web series. Mm-hmm. He's working on a feature length film and a graphic novel for this. Dark Darkness is an offbeat epic about four attendees of Dr. Darkness's Darkness Convention. Ronald, the D&D Dungeon Master, Mordecai, the Dread Vampire Wizard, Ganamazole, the Sorceress Ninja Queen, and Jerry, the Snake Man, vie for respect as Dark Lords until a grisly event catapults time on a Grizzly event catapults them on a quest to ultimately decide, save the world from eternal darkness, or become the most powerful Dark Lords ever. Wilson's been coming in here for as long as I've worked here. Super, super friendly guy. Awesome um, guy. Super generous to have brought us uh, by this. So, lend your ears. You're going to hear the sound of a swift crack. It's not a Murphy's AJ we're popping this week. Oh, no. This is the big boy juice itself. The Dark Darkness Dark Porter. I don't have fingernails. There we go. Got it. Oh, smell it. Oh. It smells beery. It smells it smells beery? Smell like <laughs> Did you say berry? <laughs> we didn't say berry berry. Oh, oh. Um, well that's okay, because I've been busy anyway. <laughs> but <laughs> just kidding, that was Jeff. <laughs> huh. 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 So tell me about it. Smells sweet. Let's get a sip on. Let's, let's get a. Give me a smell. Let me just let me smell it. Ooh, sweet. Oh, smells like the blood good. of devils. <laughs> Double devils. It's here. It's a little nutty. Liquid it's a little nutty. Yeah, I'm not a huge porter fan, and actually, I think this one is pretty good. I. I can't talk about beer in the way that I talk about comic books. Yeah, I like it. It's like Sinkevich mixed. Um, with Tradmore's hair. Oh, this tastes like Tradmore's hair. <laughs> That's a really insulting well thing to say. We mean that in a good, good way. Uh, so the uh, the fundraiser that they're doing right now is for a graphic novel adaptation of Dark Darkness, and it's on Indiegogo. So just search Dark Darkness on Indiegogo, and uh, get them there. And like. It's one thing to like a piece of art, but one thing that always helps me enjoy a piece of art is knowing that the person that's behind it is like a genuinely good person, and that's the case with this one. Wilson Large is a real good person, so uh, support the art, support the person. Let's talk about Gideon Falls number seven, Andrea Sorrentino, Jeff Lemire, Dave Stewart. Cool that they put the artist's name before the writer's name. I bet that Jeff Lemire just wanted to be the cream of that Oreo. Mm -hmm. Mm. I did this. (laughs) Uh, so yeah this was a 
a good little issue of Gideon Falls. <laughs> <laughs> we like that. Guy, Justin's back. Uh, guy, get... So Justin read the entire series. We've talked about all the issues. We love it. You've heard us talk about it. We're not Mm going to go into depth about that one. But Justin, you read the whole first paperback, which came out this week, and Mm -hmm. you read issue number seven. In one sitting. I was going to say in one sitting, I bet. Jesus. Yeah. And tell me about it. Tell Tell me about this issue. And just sort of your feelings on the whole. Tell me about your feelings on the whole. Do you think that a lot of this coloring in the background, like the way that things are shaded, is meant to kind of look like... Wood, it does look woody. I was even thinking like that everything when I was is the black barn. Oh, like I it looks kind that. of like everything is wood grained and sort of we're just except for you know, these flashbacks mm-hmm. to the past and stuff. I like that. Yeah, it's real grainy. I thought, yeah, it was grain. Weird was aesthetic gonna... to bring in there all the yeah. time. If, you know. I don't know. I don't know what this story is about. Um, I also don't know what he does to make his art look like two completely different people within the issue. Mm. But the newer one, the second one, the newer to me. Yeah, the, the, the more, shadows removed, Andrea the, Sorrentino in the light. Yeah, the tuniness of it is some of my favorite art I've ever seen, ever. Like on the school bus in there? Yeah, and it was in the couple... The end of In the Barn? Yeah. Um, I It is like the mix of every... There's it almost feels quietly esque to me, but it also has like that Brandon Graham sort of pastel, yeah, and like thin line Mobius type. Yeah, it is like if he would do a comic in just that art, it would be my favorite. Oh, it'd be so good. I really liked on the in the school bus scene where it sets up the little girl holding the bear. Those three panels are heavily half toned, just like a half tone across the whole thing. Yeah. And then it clears up, and you've got just nice solid art where she's beaten, where, where she's arguing with the Charlie Brown kid. And then when she punches him, everything except the punch is halftone. And then there's like a little red panel that breaks all the rules, and it's not halftone. I, I love really when she effective. punches that kid. Too. Yeah, she's just like she's so <laughs> spunky. And before the kid can even say like, "Oh, you're not going to do something," she punches him. Uh, yeah, seems like a real little kid thing to do. Seems like a troubled kid thing to do. I don't know a lot about like comic art, so is I can't. In sometimes I can tell between what's hand drawn and what's digitally drawn. Is he is he doing hand drawn with layers of digital effects on top? Like, what do you think the art process is? To, like, I, I never, bet uh, he's using like a graphics tablet, and it's probably all digital. What do you think, Django? I I don't know. I don't know. That's probably the way most people do it. But are you are you talking about like photo reference and tracing people? Yeah. Oh, sorry. As well as like, it looks heavily referenced to me, but it doesn't look like uh, Malieve, where where it looks like they just take Brian Hitch or does Hitch do it too? Yeah. Yeah, like like where they just blast out Photoshop filters until it looks yeah. like they drew it. This looks this looks like it was probably looked at. They, like they were looking at a picture while they drew these, and so yeah. they've got really good reference. But it it seems like reference, not Photoshop, to me. Yeah. Want, sorry. <clears throat> oh, sorry. When they go to the tunier stuff, which is just what I'm going to call it, because that's the only way I can really talk about it, is it seems less referenced yep. and more almost like it's more freeform or like it would be. I don't know, in certain animated movies when they go to a completely hand-drawn scene, mm-hmm. there's like a chunkierness because mm-hmm. you can tell it's done on paper. Right. Um, and it it's that that level of difference, and that's just like 
the switch that he does here, I, I have never seen art. I've like, I was talking to myself in my room, like, holy shit. It's I, sort of like how, like, if you watch Somni or like Gabriel Hardman draw, they, they, and like, I think Paolo Rivera, but like, they paint with negative space. They paint the like background yeah. around a head instead of drawing a head. And, I think that this Andrew Sorrentino uses shade and shadows to to construct a lot of the images. Like it does seem like, and even if it's not specifically shadow, it does seem like the he uses like background to define the shapes in the foreground. Whereas all of the stuff in that tunier stuff is is not. It looks like it's drawn. I, I don't know. It, it does. Yeah. He's a real talented artist. He's incredibly talented. Um. It's funny you mentioned Paolo Rivera because I was just watching a video of him paint a Daredevil today. Oh, I love and, love watching him. He also yeah. he does it quick. Yeah, he does. Yeah, um, he does some referency stuff though. I know he he'll yeah. But anyway, um, really like the art. Um, the story's really good. It's less uh, there's less story elements there than I thought. It's it's pretty slow. Um, every scene is really well done and executed like surgically executed um there is less there than i thought i read the and that's not a complaint at all um but there was less like story beats being covered than i think that this book falls into the category of better read one chapter at a time like i would agree because so much of it is the spectacle of it yeah. And, like, there are, like, jump scare moments, and the art is super atmospheric. And, and like, sitting around and wondering what that meant and what's next for me. Like, yeah, trying to predict how it's going to go next has, has been part of my favorite, like, the, the, a good part of this game. And also, like, going a month between issues and, like, being surprised every time I pick it up again about how astonishing astonishing the art is just like whoa god that's yeah. way different like it's it's but i also think that every issue he like leveled up this book would be very good read one issue at a time rather than just blasting through not that i was i didn't read it quickly i wasn't intending to get through it but just having all of the the story knowing it's going to be there like oh i'm going to have the next issue and the next mm -hmm. issue i think having it one issue at a time a month apart forces you to slow down and really kind of look at the motivations to get into the faces and to really uh, to take it slow makes it creepier it allows it to grow on you and grow down yeah. your spine having the entire um not that i didn't enjoy it but i i'm glad now that i'm caught up and i can read one issue at a time because the speculation i think is another part of the spookiness um, yeah. so if you're listening to this and you want a spooky book um, for Halloween, which is just around the corner, all Halloween. Um, this is one of two books that I would highly recommend from the last year. They're my go-to's. What's your other one? Infidel. Oh yeah, that was a it's good, a really scary book. good socio-political horror. Mm -hmm. um, I give okay. this issue. You know, it's like the first thing of a new arc, so it had some really good hooks. It had some cool stuff. It also wasn't quite as awesome as the last two. Like, the final two issues of that first volume, I think, are God, great. That last issue was probably the best comic that came out this year. It was like definitely up there. Yeah, yeah. It was, yeah, and that whole backward-forward scene. Oh, and so I honestly don't remember even what happened in the last one versus the second-to-last one. It's sort of this mm -hmm. big, as soon as he enters the black barn. It, yeah. Wow. Um, I, give, I give this one a nine. I think 8.5 or 9. Uh, 
Phil says pick one. I say 8.5. It's it's very, very good, but the book has been a 10 and a 9.5, and so this one is the beginning of a new new phase. Uh, I'm going to give it an 8.5, too. I don't have to defend that. 8.5. Fuck. Fuck y'all. Fuck yeah. Fuck hey, y'all. Hey, Phil, I'm giving it a solid 8, and you can't push me over or, or below. What do you give the whole series? The whole <laughs> series, I would give an 8.5. Some of the best art I've ever seen. Um really like the kind of atmospheric thing. I wish it leaned a little more into the study of the town, which is my mm. imagination projecting onto the story because it seemed like that's what it was. But I'm very interested in... When they went in, they were talking to the people in the like folkloric aspects of the the Black Barn and how it's affected the town. That was my favorite part. Yeah. Like how I, the citizens all are vaguely aware of it, but they yeah, don't talk about the, it. Yeah, and the plowsmen or whatever. Yeah. I really like yeah. that sort of... Yeah, I'm excited for some That made me think of that. Planetary. So another book that had really great art. Let's talk about Thor, number six, Jason Aaron and Christian Ward. Um, We haven't talked about a single issue of this series, and I thought it would be awesome to talk about it, especially because um, I really like this artist who did this issue and not the other series. I know Justin also likes this artist. We both just sort of dove into this one. Yeah. What did you all think of this one? This was a, excuse me, um, this was a lot of fun. I stopped reading Thor when it was getting pretty, pretty real there with uh, right. Lady Thor, um, with when the cancers dying, yeah. and 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 yeah, things that make. It was good to read a really fun Thor book. I was a little afraid because I know Jason Aaron. He he yanks on those. He tugs on those heartstrings. Um, so to have have old man Thor. Yeah, this is like in the far future. He's told sort of three eras of Thor. So this follows up. It would be after the last days of Midgard arc, which was in his Thor God of Thunder run. So yeah. probably like four, three or four years ago even um, when, you know, Thor is fighting Galactus after Earth has died. So Earth has died and he sort of restarted Earth at this point and... There's some crazy thing going on in Interlude where Ego, the living planet, has been infected with the gore god butcher weapon, which we've learned in Venom is actually Venom. Um, awesome. And, and in the whole time, like, Ego has been infected by that weapon and there's this little green worm and it's, like, whispering things to him to corrupt him and make him submit and... You can't really, you don't really know what it is for the whole time. Um, but finally he says, like, stop your infernal whispers. And the thing's like, well, it only took 99 years. And it's Loki who pops out and he's got, like, the Venom symbiote weapon. God, it's Loki the All Butcher. Um, I know Jason Aaron loves Loki. I don't really care about Loki. But- I like Loki. Um and they kept alluding to the planet dying, even though Thor's repopulated it. And you see, like, this weird inverse Adam and Adam. Like, it's a, a couple that's supposed to be Adam and Eve in the garden. Oh. And But it's two men, because I imagine Thor's suit, like, yeah, I don't know. I uh, didn't even realize that, but you're, that's great. And it, it keeps going to this interlude, and they're alluding to the Earth dying. And it seems like Loki is tricking, like, the spirit of the Earth to give him nutrients, so it's like he's been sucking off the earth to build his body. Because that's that's he is he talking to Doctor Doom? Because there's this boiling mask in the earth that he's talking to. 
So it's like Loki's tricking. Oh, he's in. He's on ego. Oh, he's on ego. Okay. Yeah, so the like living planet. Okay, so I thought he was else. leeching Earth. Uh, I was like that tricky. That's spot. the thing about Christian Ward. Love yeah. is art. Love hard is to art. track what's going down. I this is the most I've been able to read panel to panel. I love Christian. I totally Ward. agree. It's great to look at. Yeah, hard to read. But, but this, this was, was yeah. Uh, there was a story there that was pretty easy to follow. I really like Thor's granddaughters. Yeah, the three, the three, they were so cool, and they each have a different hammer from a different era, which yeah. I thought was awesome. And I love like we've got Phoenix, Doctor Strange, Wolverine from the yeah. far, far into future like times, and um, and basically for like hundreds of years, Thor and Doctor Doom are fighting at the heart of the planet. Right? Yeah. I would get hungry. Yeah, they don't, though. They don't. I guess it was many years, but oh, then, like, God. he gets out of there, and it's a real hot, naked Thor. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, and I like that their, like, their fight is what's, like, continuing the Earth to f- be fueled. Right. It's so, that, yeah. I like when they, you go super into super past or super future, and then mm-hmm. it's kind of happening at all times, no matter what. I, yeah, I love that. When you can remove yourself so far from the present that it could just as easily be the beginning of time or the end of time. Yeah. Mythology, someone said that mythology never happened, but it's always happening. Mm-hmm. And that's what this was very much like. Like, he's creating a complete like space opera mythos of Thor. Um, it's great to cool. have Jason Aaron's, like, I really like the Jane Foster Thor stuff. He was just killing this great, you know, Odin's son Thor book up until that point. So it's nice to have, you know, switch into it, switch out of it. Like, I, I like that he can do it. You know, he's coming back to this Thor, which he's got a great voice for. Do you guys think that he had a huge long plan for Thor and this is part of it or do you think that he has taken this in little chunks and was like okay I'm kind of done with this uh, God God Butcher Thor or whatever that, that series was and he's like oh well shit you guys want me to keep doing it I'm going to do Jane Foster as Thor and then he gets to the end of his ideas for that and he's like alright now we're going to do three time Thor yeah I think that he is a writer who inherently does like to challenge himself. I don't mm-hmm. think he likes to do the same thing for a really long time. I, but I also think that he probably started Thor with a like 16 issue plan. And this was the beginning of that Thor thing was like the beginning of Jason Aaron's sort of like almost comically over the top metal guy thing. Like, you know, he's all yeah. about joking about mead and like being, he has a, he has a really open minded super masculinity about it that right. doesn't feel like toxic at all in any way, but you know, and that has become a really staple in his writing. And as I think a big through line in his Avengers book, he's so good at like toxic masculinity in, in uh, Southern bastards. Yeah. You know, like he can, he can showcase how shitty dudes can be. And then he can do Thor. Who's just a few degrees off from that. And just kind of a, a nice guy. Who's not super not shitty. About it. <laughs> and yeah. yeah. He pokes fun at it. Like, <clears throat> yeah. In the last, when he returned to Odin's son, why he was also writing Jane Foster, he was making fun of Thor quite a bit, but it, it worked really well. Um, but you don't think he has an outline oh, I was for say, 17 years of Thor? I think yeah. he, it seems like, because now this is kind of calling back to his original run, uh-huh. I think he probably had, it seems like he had a small, 
outline, but plotted it so well that he set himself up as he was going. Like, oh, I could go do this and this and this. Like, he gave himself enough plot threads to be able to go any direction he wants. And at this point, he's writing Avengers and Thor. I bet that just creatively fuels story ideas for the other one all the time. Hopefully Marvel doesn't get pissed and fire him at some point. (laughs) Stuck with somebody else. I don't think he's super active on Twitter, so I think we're okay. (laughs) Um, Plus, this Thor run is going to, like, looking back, it's going to be like Hickman's fantastic. Like, it's like a magnum opus. Like, this will be the like Thor, Giffen's yeah. Justice League. So if you're into Thor, this is a great issue to jump in on. Um, I give it an 8.5 as well. It's a real good book. I could be talked into an 8 also. Nobody's trying to talk you into anything. Your eyes are so beautiful. They're like little um, celestial hazelnuts that just sort of stare at me and make me doubt myself. That's Look the, at that. That's the sound the, the songs that stars sing, baby. Downtown Brown. Jingling ding ding jingling ding ding. Um, Angel Eyes. I will give it 8.5 because I really liked that Doctor Doom was summoning up earth demons and Fing Fam Foom is all like his his pet. Yeah. She's like, "Oh, yeah." You and know. how awesome that like Doctor Doom gets his shit together as an evil sorceress enough to be more powerful or as powerful as the Phoenix. Yeah. Exorcist. We'll go together. Oh, anywhere. Anywhere, buddy. Ian Boothby and Giselle Lagasse. What's this book about, you guys? It's about 22 pages long. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, I love that bit. Oh, I do love that. Yeah, that's good. Uh, I love so, it. Classic Django. Yeah. <laughs> Perfectly acceptable Django. But... <laughs> the beginning of this book is a couple getting married, and suddenly the guy gets dragged off to hell. And... Uh, Then we cut to these two sisters who have uh, apparently been hired by the bride to figure out what happened. And uh, one of the girls has, like, a very severe kind of hair coming down next to her face and a bun on the top. And the other one is drinking all the booze and just has kind of wild long hair and uh, short shorts with pockets coming out and knee-high socks. Uh, So, like, one of them is kind of the conservative conservative one and the other one's the rock and roll girl. And... Turns out that they solve kind of um, big demony mysteries. Are they twins? We find out later that they're not twins oh. after after some shenanigans going into hell and finding some really funny stuff. Well, I'm um, sure you're going to figure out you're not a twin if you go to hell. Well, they talk to her mom. They, they talk to their mom, and um, it's one of them is the other one's soul. Oh, so the put together girl is. The, the person, and then the crazy girl is the soul. Oh. And so they solve cool. the mystery uh, in, in I don't know what cute, that means, way. even. Well, what, the the physical, physical embodiment of her soul? Yeah. yeah. So that's like her, her free spirit that she's repressed or some shit. Okay. They, they did that with Constantine for a while, too. He, he had him, and then he had his soul, and when, when they came out, his soul kept the, the scars. And so Constantine was walking around without these scars. Huh. And uh, you knew it was the bad guy because he had scars all over his face. It's kind of like Yugi Yami Yugi. Yeah, or like Peter Parker and Spider Man just getting separated. And yeah. that's yeah. Peter Pan and his shadow. Absolutely. Dr- yeah. Dracula. <laughs> Spooky. Dracula. So, this book doesn't look like a book I would want to read. And I really liked it. How much did you like it? I liked it a lot. Was it quacky? One to ten, me. Already? Right I just want to know how Christ. much you liked it. I'm going to give it a seven and a half. Okay. It's quirky. It's quirky. It, like, it's not super challenging. How much but throw it's up is in there? None. But, well, 
But there is some butt stuff. There's some butt humor. Okay, I yeah. was gonna say it's like, like there's gotta be like, there's gotta be. Hey, a son of a chomp! I fell on this chomper, and uh, she gets Poops out. And she's back. like, "Oh, he <laughs> swallowed you! I didn't think I was gonna end up in that thing's mouth." And it says, "It wasn't a mouth." Uh, oh, Django is like, <laughs> "Soul!" I'm gonna spit gravy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, and I like the gag where they, like this this demon, tried to tried to possess a little girl, but he was lazy or or did it wrong, and the little girl ended up possessing this demon. So in hell, there's just this demon who's all who's like perpetually doing a little tea party, and trying to trick other demons into having a tea party with her because it's the little girl possessing the demon. That's I thought that was sweet. a really funny bit. I thought that the mystery was resolved in a satisfying way and. Are you going to read number two? Yeah, fuck yeah. I like this. I was impressed at, like... I was was impressed at, like, just like you said, it was not challenging. I was impressed at, like, how, like... I loved that it didn't have that feel of a first image issue where you're like getting a bunch of, like, information in eight pages. They're just sort of like... You're dropped into a situation... And it's not even like there's a lot going on you have to figure out. It's just sort of like it, it was a really easy, you know, transition into this book. It's like episode one of Weeds or something where you learn everything you need to know, but you don't really feel like you're being taught things. They're, they're showing you everything. They're not really telling you. Everything. I liked the first season of that show, but she sure became a really bad parent, you know? Mm-hmm. It's... Yeah. I like a little weed humor in high school. I was thinking, gosh. Yeah. Oh, my God. You're in high school. Yeah. Do you like the way she chews on those straws? Oh, yeah. Because I felt like they did that early on and then realized that that was a big character trait and focused on how much she chews on straws. I didn't watch the end of end of it. How's Nancy Botwin all she, she fair out with the whole thing? I watched it. I don't remember. She, like, got to get, like, her husband dies. Spoilers for weeds. <laughs> her husband dies, like, before the show started. Yeah. And then, like, her kids are, like, troubled, and then she starts selling weed, and then she gets to, like, she starts banging a drug cartel leader, and, like, and doesn't give a fuck about her children, who, like, she doesn't get along with anymore, and it's just, like, this, you're a really, this is, like, fell apart. This is a really less good version of Breaking Bad. Yeah, it's cute Breaking Bad. She does chew on those straws real nice. Um, So, (laughs) as I was reading it, I was like, this is, like, a, you know, like a... I wanted to say like a poor man's Amanda Connor art. She does, but then what I realized is she does mostly web comics, and we have a couple graphic oh, okay. novels of Menage Three here. I saw that on the show, and and that is that is what it is. It has a quick, it, it ju- like the art is very much in line with the story, which is it's quick and it's they're not yeah. wasting a lot of time on details in the background, and yeah, to me it looks a lot like Amanda Connor. Um, and and it's good, and it's coming from people who have done, you know, this like very sexy, sex positive uh, web comic, and it's coming from a press that's got a bunch of other like ads for Pixie Tricks comics in the back. So it's like, it's 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 coming from a different you know angle than pretty much any other image book I've read. Yeah, and maybe that's what I liked about it is that it's uh, it's it's just a positive book. Like there's there's. It deals with a really shitty mom who did something so bad that uh, when she makes the bed in the bar that she did something worse than the guy. She made a deal with the devil. He says, I got drunk one night and killed a kid and his dog. Went away for eight nights, haven't had a full night's sleep since. And then she whispers something in his ear, and he loses the bat. And I like that single page a lot. But that's like... 
that's some fucked up shit. Yeah, but the, I know. But I the book know. is not a downer. Like this no. doesn't this doesn't feel like uh, even like a funny Garth Ennis book where you're like, man, that was that was some hard stuff to read because it's so mean spirited. The whole thing is just like, yeah, here's some funny things. You know, how I would describe it. It's kind of shitty. One word: charming. Hmm. It was a charming book. Hmm. Uh, I quaint. Then that's a that's not a bad comic. Yeah. You know, would and you that's what it's... this is. Perfectly acceptable. I would say it's perfectly acceptable. And I would say 7.5 is what? Well, I would say 7. Um, yeah. I, I liked it. I think the art was absolutely fine. And I think the ready was absolutely fine. And I do, I think the characters were charming. I'm saying with 7.5, I would probably bump it up a notch if it had the guts to put dicks in it. Because there were a lot of opportunities for dicks. And the rest of the story <laughs> didn't like preclude nudity. If that makes sense, but like in hell, there are all these creatures walking around with just Ken Ken doll bottoms, and and it's it's coming from a studio where it looks like that is a thing that's on their mind. It's like sex yeah. posit- positivity in all these different ways. So I I would say yeah, fine to not be ashamed about that. Uh, I'm sticking with it. I'm gonna stick half. with it I'm too. The next one. Yeah, yeah, like if it if it took a long time to get through, I wouldn't. But it didn't. Like it was like it it didn't feel it didn't scratch that thing. I mean, even in Venom, I was sort of like, all right, well. You know, I've been in a movie theater for an hour and a half now. Maybe I should go. Yeah. 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 So. Uh, I would like to jump from this place to the other place. <laughs> this horrible this reality that you've constructed, you two. Can we talk about something? Yeah. Murphy's Apple Juice. Got oh, it. Murphy's. They sponsor Got us. It. Yes. Well, they paid for X number of ad spots. Yeah. I can't drink any more apple juice. I've been playing catch up. <laughs> you know, you guys, I got here. He goes, dude, gotta check out the apple juice, Which, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which only speaks to how poor the ketchup flavored apple juice is. Yeah. Uh, you show up for work. Django's always there. He busts open the mini fridge. He you cracks the Murphy's one. for you. Guys, Though I do like the SCOBY. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I like the chunk. I like the, the kind of film at the bottom. He he does put a lot of pressure. We are contractually obligated to be seen on shift drinking at least one Murphy's at any given time. It was the only way I could get them to pay for this in advance because I knew that they would have a problem with our advertising style. Yeah, yeah. Uh, luckily, they did cut us a check in advance, and we plan to fulfill our end of the bargain, which was just talk at length about Murphy's on each episode until it's over. To be fair, they paid for four ad spots. This is episode 104. They started on 100. Well... I guess we'll see if they pay us again. Yeah, I don't know. Here's uh, here's the thing. I went to New Orleans. Oh. And like that that's where I was. I don't, did I tell you guys I was gone last week? I was in New oh, Orleans. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we knew you weren't here. Yeah. I went down there to see their original factory. I went to the original Murphy's Apple Juice factory. You saw the Murph Belt? I saw the, I, yep. Yep, they call it the Murph Belt. The Murphy's Apple Belt. Yep, There's that, that's the that's the perfect climate for a series of apple trees that goes sort of down the entire Florida Panhandle into Louisiana because yep. Louisiana is right next to Florida, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Top skipping yeah. a jump. Uh, th- so their 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 thing their factory is on the corner of General Robert E. Lee Boulevard and um, Abraham Lincoln Causeway. And they mm-hmm. very historic. They mm-hmm. they you, you can see the bones of the cobbler company that they had before they did apples uh, in that building. They and, used to do shoes. Now they do apples. Yeah. And when I went in there, I went on a tour, and at the end, they let you try things that they have just started introducing. And I don't. So did you like see you, Dusty? I saw Dusty. 
Dusty actually led the tour. It's, it's a pretty small staff, honestly. I, I thought That's why Murphy's apple juice is the best apple juice. Yeah. You know the people who yeah. make it. Do, do they let you drink apple juice from a shoe? They did have the shoe juice. Um, okay. It's kind of weird because it's actually what they collect the apple juice in before they put it in the barrels. So it goes into a shoe Talk and then into the barrels. Talk about inefficient. I mean, like, hey, sorry. I'm not stepping yeah. on your shoes. It's old. But you, it's yeah. old. Yeah. yeah. It's like, uh, it's it's from back when people were poorer and they just had to use, uh, re- they reused everything. They're still doing it. So... Yeah. But you're probably on contract not to talk about some of the things you saw. It's a you small say staff, was... not a lot of people, especially if you get there after the big yellow bus of inmates is sent back to the prison. Yeah, that that was a little disappointing. They advertise on their site that only seniors pick their apples, but what they don't tell you is that it's seniors on death row. Chain gangs. Are picking their <laughs> apples. Um, and that's, you know, whatever. I'm you know, sure that's Murphy's they're, they're, Law. Yeah. That's, that's Murphy's <laughs> Law. <laughs> I did try one of their newest products. I don't know that it's going to take off. It's salt and vinegar apple chips. Hmm. Not very subtle. <laughs> Funny you should say subtle. <laughs> because they, they had the slogan there. Um, and, and the guy that told me said, said it to me like, You want subtle? Don't have salt and vinegar chips. Whoa. Jerk. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. I, you know. At Murphy's? At Murphy's. Anyway. Actually, it was Dusty that yelled. Oh. I'm going to have another apple juice. You know what they say oh. at Murphy's when you're here. So which bottle shape are you? I, I can't even make it out from here. They oh, they sent is... us 32 different bottle shapes. We've just sort of – I've been kind of indiscriminately consuming the different bottle shapes at this point. I have a collection. Of empty bottle juices yeah. you've been reusing. Yeah, and it's I'm like to label them. It's they a very the little hip... book they give you to match yeah. them up. You put the stamp on it. Like Each bottle has stickers. a stamp at the bottom of it. But I'm not very it. good at putting a square into a star. You know, it, you know what's weird, though, is that it's kind of they're, – they're making a play to replace Bellingham, like, jars, hip jars. Like, mm-hmm. everybody's got their masons. Right. But you've got a bunch of just wonderful fucking bottle shapes in your, in your cabinet. They are fucking bottles. Yes, for sure. Yeah. But fucking bottles. But fucking bottles. <laughs> Uh, this one is the Intimidator. <laughs> they sent us 32, but they actually have 38. And I think that that's what they mean on their website when they say that they'll send you most, most some, of, of some, most. Of, some of most of our bottles. I think we got that variety pack. They did not send us the Hitchhiker, which I think is just an antifreeze can. <laughs> I thought it was, the, uh, it was the, the sort of plastic hand that had a thumb up. Oh, the thumb up and kind of the, the not quite closed yeah. fingers. Yeah. 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 That's, That's one of the least popular butt plugs I've ever seen. <laughs> the New World, number four, by Alish Cott and Trad Moore. I liked this comic. I haven't read three and four, and it's because I've just wait until the end of my stack to read it because it's so good, and I it's I haven't gotten to it. Well, I'm I don't sorry. think we're going to ruin anything I don't. For I'm you. not worried about it. Um, basically, they've the, the girl... Assassin uh, and the boy rebel hacker hacker have gone on the run with his dad, and this whole issue is them kind of hanging out and arguing in the desert while they're on the run, and then c- hatching a plan to get get, over the get back over the border and uh, and mess with people. And oh fuck, it's so interesting how they. This, this this issue is, I think, pretty much just regular size. Maybe it's a couple extra pages, but they deal with some pretty intense interpersonal relationship stuff in part. like six or seven pages between him and her, and then. Okay, don't spoil that part for me. I'm excited to juice it. No, well, I'm trying not to spoil anything. Oh, I'm not. Yeah. And then there's there's like some conflict between the boy and his dad, and and that's really 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 well done. 
And I think that kind of shows a little bit of why he's so anti-anti everything. Yeah. Him and talking to his dad, and then his dad's giving him relationship advice. And the interplay between the three is just so good. Uh, very emotionally intelligent people there. It was good to see smart people write emotions. And there's a, there are three panels where one of the guys, um, one of the guys who works for the bad guys, is at home with his family, and the babies are crying, and his wife is trying to get them to quiet down, and the place is kind of just like a wreck in the way that a family's house is a wreck when you got too many kids running around. Yeah, and it just the whole the whole book is pretty clean. Yeah, the, all the all the all the backgrounds and the settings are big chunks of color for the most part and those three panels i thought really really captured the chaos of of the house there's another one where it's just silhouettes of the girl and the boy that was so good and there's a white moon in a black sky and then purple purple mountains and i think it's the wall they're out in the desert the wall yeah, from that. I like that even better. I think so because, like, on that first issue when they have the walls, you know, it's got that big vertical yep. stripes. Yep. Of color. I thought it was the the sun just finally setting, mm. but yeah, I think I think you're right. But just like the way that they use this, the the big rock sculpt, the rock monuments and stuff in the sides of that panel are shown in a really interesting way. Yeah, um, Generation Gone was a book that like. Went in a very predictable route. Mm-hmm. Like, it all kind of led up to a fight. Nothing new really happened besides it was very believable with the characters. And, you know, it was a, it was a good book. But this, this story, each issue has gone in an opposite direction. Like, I didn't expect yeah. to get just, like, a very slow, talky issue. And this was, besides the first issue, the most entertaining issue to me. Like, the dialogue yeah. was so good and the character mm-hmm. work was so well done. I didn't expect a... I didn't expect to have, like, a, a big heart-to-heart moment in this book. I thought it was going to be all, like, at this point, I thought it was just going to be a road trip book. But, yeah, it was it was really, really cool, and I'm I'm really surprised to see how it, how it's going to end. Yeah, I can't, I can't wait. Um, yeah, that first issue, like, just had that feeling of you're reading it, and you're like, this is special. Like, it just yep. had a weird feeling of just, like, this is a special book. I've uh, experienced, like, reading a lot of Alex Cop books, it's always his first issues that just hit me. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if the media really knows how to pitch an Alex Cop book besides, like, he's so fucking edgy. Well, but, you know what's in... Sorry. Oh, but he's just a way better world builder than I think anyone gives him credit for. Like, yeah. Zero started off real strong with great implicit storytelling as well as... Uh, the surface and stuff. He's a great world builder. It's interesting. In he did an interview for like his Bloodborne comic, and they're like, "What else are you working on?" He's like, "Well, I'm doing the New World." And his pitch for it was just like, "And it's just like a romance story between a hacker and a bounty hunter." Move <laughs> on. And I was like, "That is a really insulting to your own book way of pitching that. Like that is it is a lot more than that." Maybe it's not the media. Maybe it's him that's bad at this. Well, yeah, that's true. I mean, you know? yeah. Yeah, that's that's interesting. And Generation Gone, I think everything you said about it is totally right. Like it's interesting that it was it was so predictable while also being very, very good and I think maybe it was Araujo's art that sort of allowed it to have a different tone. Yeah. I think that he pitches pretty well. Like when I when we had that whatever, when I heard him talk about that, uh, Generation Gone, he made it sound like it was gonna be this huge, superhero for millennials or something. Yeah, yeah, and this big saga and it sounded like it was gonna go 
Like he was pretty much telling you whatever you, no matter what, it, this is not chronicle, and it ended up kind of <laughs> reminding me. Of that, yeah. <laughs> and so it's odd to see him kind of underpitch or not talk much about this book, and it being something completely different. So yeah. there's, I haven't figured out the Alishkot that I like, but every book has something in it that like I think is comics genius. Mm-hmm. It's so different right now than it was three years ago, mm-hmm. which is very bizarre. Yeah, it's like. There's a flavor to his stuff right now, and there was a flavor to it three years ago, but they are very different. This is, like, nicer, I think. Like, it's it's a little nicer to the characters. The characters have a little more heartfelt It's like he's say. grown up a little bit, and it's like a band that, like, you know, it's like Incubus. or You know, it's like, we used to be edgy and have this shit, but now I just kind of want to be happy and want other people to be happy and want my characters to be happy. You know, it's, it's a little well, bit of, like... He took a year off, right? He did take a year off. Year. Yeah. This is like he's going for good rather than going for super innovative out there. Which like zero went all kinds of crazy directions. A lot of his superhero work did kind kind of did some of that too. So, I think this is just like good comic booking, and I I'm into it. What are your scores? Eight. I'd give it an eight point five. I nice. really like this issue. I really like Tread Moore. This is the best cover of I a think comic we book I've seen. Number one. Yeah, I would ten number one. Uh, like I said, a, a Alish Cop first issue does something to to my works on yeah. the inside. What would you do number two? <laughs> hey Justin, when you talk about Justice League Dark number so, four, Justice League Dark number four. Um, I'm not. I've never read a lot of Jimmy T. I. V. Uh, really like the paranormal DC universe. Uh, so I went back. We don't have number one, but I read two, three, and four. And this is the most fun I've had reading comic. I've read since I've been back. Read a bunch of stuff, and. Uh, Jimmy T I V. This is like big dumb fun. This isn't. Yeah, it's like an action movie with like magic, and this is essentially just lasers, funny looking lasers. You know, they're blasting. They're not doing a whole lot of innovative stuff with magic, but it is so fun. Um, he's putting Greek mythology in there. It seems like he actually has an understanding of something. Like Hecate is a major character in here, which is really cool, and she was the Greek goddess of witchcraft. Um, they in issue four they go, as they are fighting Wonder Woman, who's a secret priestess of Hecate. They reveal like she was touched by Hecate in her past and is now kind of being possessed by her. So they go to, I forget what the city's called, um, where Dead Man's goddess originates from, and there's a bunch of dead men there, which is super cool. A bunch oh. of like dead men monks. Neat. Yeah, and they all have those techniques, and there's some pretty good pays offs with the monkey. I, and I forget his name. I just read these today, and I already forget the name. But uh, yeah, the character work is really good. Detective Chimp. Detective Chimp. Yeah. Chimp Detective. He, he ends up having a big role. Ironically, two. like it's always fun to see that. He's com- Awesome. I read the first two issues, and he he and Kirk are the two favorite characters I have in there. Yeah, he's he's maybe my favorite character. John Constantine shows up and is very cool. Him and uh, he stays really true to the voices of the character. He puts Cersei in there, which is a witch from Greek mythology, uh, from the Odyssey, and she know she's helping Wonder Woman deal with her Hecate powers. It's really really cool. In the first issue, they reference books of magic. And then one of the opening scenes of Books of Magic, Neil Gaiman's giving you a rundown of magic, and you see a shaman in a cave painting, and it's showing that that was, like, our first symbolic understanding of things. And in this, they go, oh, the ancient ancestors who created magic, and there's a bunch of those shamans, like, messing oh, around cool. with crazy. Yeah. And they said since then they started writing Books of Magic. 
And mm. so there's a bunch of references to the paranormal stuff. Um, the kind of big bad guy who caused all of this was Dr. Fate. Mm. Yeah, he was real sketchy in issue two. Yeah. And in, so, yeah, it, it was really, really cool. Um, it's fun to see. They do a little bit. Uh, like I said, magic is, is just lasers. But uh, the villain in it is really cool. The upside, upside down man. He's like, oh, and there's even some tarot allusions to it. Like the tower card and the hanged man is the upside down man. Um, I don't know how explicit that is, but it seemed pretty pretty apt. I got a um, question. In aligned with the symbology of tarot. What? In issues one, two, and three... John Constantine is wearing this ridiculous black jacket. Yeah. He, Page one of issue four, he's wearing the right jacket. So between the two, there are some other issues. And they kind of like, from what I picked up in context, is the issues that I've missed. Because it's branching out like through. The, the one shot? Yeah. Um, they got the gang back together. So they when they meet John Constantine in this, he's in South America mm-hmm. uh, studying this wonder tree. This tree that potentially has something to do with the larger story here and swamp things there. That's the the tree from No Justice. Uh, okay. Oh, I didn't read No Justice. You know, there's like the trees for all the four different wonder oh. and those different things. Okay. And like, and Swamp Thing's talking about how this this thing is connected to what's wrong with magic and people perverting it. And the Upside Down Man is like this living a embodiment of magic okay um but anyway john approach john is messing around with the tree and swamp things they're brooding like oh everything's fucked and so you can tell that they had like this they weren't a team then so i think there was some like now we're together and we're gonna go to this place get so your good jacket yeah he's like <laughs> look like constantine get get on your costume get your good jacket we're gonna go find a ley line i yeah. feel like his jimmy tiv's writing works better In opposition to, like, Gideon Falls. I think his really does work well in chunks. Yeah. Um, It's because it is dense. And there's a lot there's a lot going on. But there's a lot of words as well. I don't know. It's very wordy. Yeah. And and for me, I liked the first two issues, but just, like, didn't have enough time to read all my books week three. And a Jimmy TIV book is just always one of the first ones that I'll be like, okay, I'm not going to read that one because I don't have time, you know. Uh, Mm Mm-hmm. Because so I think when you can finally just like sort of sit down with six, six issues or something or three or four of his writing style, I think it works really really well. It worked really well. Um, yeah, I have been a long fan of like the Paranormal Crew. I didn't read Jeff Lemire's Justice League Dark, um, but I really like Dead Man and Swamp Thing from what I've read of Alan Moore's stuff. Um, and I guess I, after reading some of some other supernatural characters in the DC universe, there was always something missing. And I think it's just like the ridiculous fun nature of it. Mm-hmm. Like they usually try to be deep. If you know, yeah. paranormal. we're stuff. talking about magic and yeah. gods and it's stuff. very serious. And this is just like, no, it's having fun. Um, it feels like getting like a kid playing with very familiar toys in a sandbox. Like these, what do you give it? Uh, I give this an nine, a nine, uh, since I read all of them in one chunk, I think I'll probably, like, this will be one of my go-to books from DC. It's just, like, everyone's got their form of big, dumb superhero fun, and I kind of found my, my like, it's it's the characters, and it's the book I'll root for no matter what. Like, I was like, this is the most fun I've had reading a superhero. This Hell is, yeah. Yeah. Flipping through Hell this yeah. number four, it looks a lot like a Donny Cates book to me. 
just the the same kind of thing. Like, all right, all bets are off. Yeah. We're gonna. Did you know that there are one million dead man monks yeah. and they can all fit in inside of one person? <laughs> well, yeah, and it's like, oh, it's like, oh, of course. Why didn't I think of that? Yeah, like Wonder Woman secretly being like a Hecate priestess. Like, yeah, it turns out Hecate showed up and cursed her when she was a kid. And since then, she's been secretly harboring witchcraft. And we power. haven't been able to decide on a Wonder Woman origin for the last 10 years. So, yeah. absolutely, let's just do that. And I was like, yeah. that's fucking awesome. Uh, Django, Buckshot, go. Oh, Jesus. Get it ready. You motherfucker. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. You should have seen him bend over, though. It was so, it was so like, oh, God, I got to do this. So, uh, M C M L start now, I guess. Is issue two gives us more taxi driver blood action awesomeness and even more like awesome looking demons. This guy with the the giant teeth and purple and huge buggy eyes was probably the scariest thing I've ever seen. This one was a little bit less. Uh, intriguing to me than the last one, but I, I, I guess uh, they, they answered some questions and, and they killed a character I wasn't super pleased about. Cover, number two, by Bendis and Mack. This continues that uh, comic book artist as a CIA agent thing, and it, the storytelling in this is hard to track until it's not, and it's mm. really fucking cool. I... I I love that the art nice. is spectacular. I also read Lucifer, number one. I stayed away from Lucifer mostly because I'm not a fan of the guy that wrote the first round. And uh, this, <laughs> What's that guy's name? Uh, I forgot, just like I forgot every story he ever wrote that I read. Oh. Mike Carey. Uh, but this one is really interesting. I think I'm going to stick with it. There's stuff going on in hell that doesn't quite make sense, and there's uh, other stuff going on that's, that's also super interesting. Thumbs up on that. Skyward, number seven. Holy fucking shit. How is this comic so good? It's so good. Jeff, you can uncover your ears. He's the one he's controlling the phone. Keep going. Just keep blasting them off. Keep blasting them (laughs) off. I really didn't hear any of it. I didn't spoil anything. I just said it was really fucking good. Cool. I I, I just didn't even want to know. I love you. Spoiler I love... alert. It's good. Yeah. No. I that's that's one of those. I don't. Somebody said it just perfectly in the story today. They're like, I don't really care about spoilers if I'm not involved in it. But if it's a thing that I'm actually reading, then I don't want spoilers. And Skyward actually is one of my favorite books coming out right now. It's weird how good that book yeah. is. Yeah. I um, don't. I don't understand why it tickles me in the way that it does. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna give 1975 uh, seven and a half, maybe an eight. Yeah, that's a book that tickles me in a no, way I didn't Phil, expect it. Seven and a half, maybe an eight. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna settle on a number there. Pick a number, bitch. <laughs> uh, uh, cover, I'm gonna give oh, that a seven and a half. Lucifer, I'm gonna give a six and a half. And Skyward, just a just a straight up solid eight. Nice. What I wanna know is who decided to let Phil and Barry hang out? Like, if two people should not be hanging out yeah. outside of work. Those they two started are... drinking beer. You know what the worst part is? <laughs> is that Barry comes home filled with beer and makes fun of New Barry for not being there. It is so sad to watch New Barry sort of just, like, roll with the punches of, like, oh, yeah, that's fine. I was on the couch. <laughs> and then, yeah, Barry's, like, just slurring his words. Um, Justin, do you want to go next? Do I, should I go next? I'll oh, go next. you guys get to choose. You get Gosh, to have a discussion. I don't, I don't, I don't have you are, I respect you too much. Kick me in the balls with those numbers. I don't, all right, all right. I don't think I have enough for a buck. 
be. Oh, well, you can oh, always talk a different amount, but I'm going. Um, Surprise. I took to tickle it. tickle yourself. Listen, I'm going to go an extra 10 seconds. Listen, uh, I'm going to stop it. I'm going to cancel it. I'm going to start it again. Go. That's what I did for you. I know. Um, Black Hammer Age of Doom. Rich Tomaso did the art in this one, which is just really cool to see a stand-in artist on Black Hammer, which has such a strong voice um, in, in terms of the art there. But because of what happened in the story, it really worked to have a different artist. One of my favorite books coming out, especially since... The sort of big reveal of everything that's going on. Justice League number 10, the first part of Drowned Earth. Justin identified the same thing, which is that both Avengers and Justice League are doing big stories now about the war between the land people and the water people. And my whole life, I've just never cared about that at all. Uh, Black Badge number three. I just, with each issue of this, I do get more into it. I, I didn't love it. Originally, I mean, it's fine. I just keep wishing that it was Grass Kings, but um, it's got its own voice, and it's a fun world to be a part of, and, and I, I, I can get into it. Um, uh, and then I read Venom, and Donny Cates, that Venom book is very, very good. Donny Cates, as a writer, um, doesn't hit quite as well with an artist that I don't particularly like. It was Kev Walker, who's a fine artist, but it's just... Uh, real Marvel-y house style, and it didn't actually feel like anything special, which is unique. Marvel Zombie, number one, liked the art in this a lot. Not your Marvel Zombies story that you'd expect. Real Hopeless, it's written by the guy who did Ice Cream Man. Um, yeah, it was good and kind of sad and morose. Nobody wins when zombies are involved. I just forget how to turn that thing off. Yeah. I just I, took my shirt off and turned it right off. Yeah, he did. Turned us all, everybody else, right on. Um, I give Black Hammer number 6 an 8.5. I give Justice League number 10 um, a 6, but I just ended up skimming it. The art is gorgeous. Francis Manipal. Um <clears throat> I give Black Badge number 3 an 8. I give The Venom Annual by Donny Cates, David Michelin, Ron Lim, and James Stokoe uh, a 6. Aside from the Stoko stuff, which is awesome, and then I give Marvel Zombies, Marvel Zombie, uh, a seven. I really like the, the art in the Black Hammer. Yeah, he, it. I don't like looking at his art until I start reading the book, and then I enjoy it. Like mm -hmm. pretty much every time, I there's something about his books that draw me to him, and I I don't know why I end up enjoying it, but I don't I don't I feel like I don't like it, but I do enjoy it if that makes any sense, which. I, I, I agree, and I do want to mention that he meets a detective that is a bug, and his name is Inspector Insector. Oh, I and really that's like good. that. I also read Lucifer and didn't know what was going on. I don't think it. I don't think you didn't know what was going on because you haven't read missed Man. something. I think you just aren't really supposed to know exactly what's going on. Okay. The there were a couple things in Lucifer that I really really liked. I like the bit about the really like the whole really sad thing about the guy whose wife is like dying of cancer and he tries to take her on one last drive and then they get in a car accident and she dies and but like he doesn't remember what happened. Yeah. So but magic. That, yeah, but also like that was like really sad. That was really sad, really almost for the sake of being sad. I was like, I don't know, this is very sad. I like that Charlie Patton and Hitler are hanging out, presumably because they both oh, made deals I didn't with get the that devil. at all. That's awesome. Oh, that's um, Charlie Patton. I don't think so. I think it's uh, the guy that went down to make a deal with the devil, the first deal with the devil, the blues singer, the guitar player. Charlie Patton. 
I don't think so. Wasn't Charlie Patton? I don't think so. I want to say like Daniel Johnson, but it's not him. <laughs> Daniel Warren Johnson? Um, Justin, you and I have a deal um, with this clock. Okay. And it's about to start I now. Gotta, I got to milk this. Cemetery Beach. <laughs> Number two. This is the second issue of a book called Cemetery Beach, where we're seeing this charming uh, guy who's... Can you... Oh, my. Crash land, crash portal, accidentally got himself on a human settlement that had diverged in time. He's running around. Uh, Big, fun action, some ships. They're really good at shooting. Um, The art is very crazy. He does some very cool uh, ways of world building via conversation, and you find out some cool stuff about the chick he's running around with. What do you think about his art? What do we think about that art? Um... I liked it better in trees. It seems a little a little harsher these days, a little edgier, a little rougher around the edges, and I liked it. It seemed a little more subdued in trees, and I like that. Um, the color palette is, or the, the colors that he uses seem a little dimmer as well. It's, uh, yeah, I <laughs> like this book, though it's not my typical go-to Warren Ellis book. I like... <laughs> Justin is not pleased. (laughs) Did you read that, 1975? Yeah. 1975, duh. Yeah. Uh, Don't you mean MCMLXXV? Sure, if you want to be Roman about it. 1975. I read this, and I liked it. I don't know anything about it. I give it a 6, and I give Cemetery Beach a 7. I was tearing my underwear some more. (laughs) He was following it up. That was all that was. I heard it, and I liked it. The thing is... I don't think we've ever had Jeffrey move his underwear on this show without taking his pants off before. Yeah. You ever wow. seen Zoolander? Mm. What? Django, where are you tonight? Yeah, come on. Where get your are you game. tonight? You're supposed to be a cultural zeitgeist in and yeah. of yourself. Maybe you guys are off and it's not me. Oh, well, my man. underwear is off. Oh! <laughs> Listen, and it's we gotta you. take one nihilistic trip to the uh, to the Ozarks. I think it's Russia. Oh, Zarks. I don't know. <laughs> oh, Zarks, Scooby Doo. <laughs> Batman Fifty Seven by Tom King, Tony Daniel, and some very cute animals. Yeah, that was weird as fuck, wasn't it? What yeah. was this issue saying? Couldn't I fucking to ask figure you. it out. Nope. It was mostly saying. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Oh, Jango. Kirsch. So, okay. So there's two stories. Yeah. One is a fable about a bunch of animals trying to get to a place, and they fall in a pit, and uh, the mean animals that you would guess would eat the squirrel and the rabbit to survive do, and then the fox ends up tricking everybody else into letting them eat. Er, don't letting, trust letting your friends. Be eaten. Sure. Don't trust your friends. Maybe that's what it is. And the cool part about that is that you're introduced to that fable as KGB's father is telling it to him as he's going to bed and he's begging to hear it again. And and at the end of it, you it's Bruce begging to hear it from his father. Yeah. So it's like both of these characters that we're spending the entire issue with begs to hear this story as a child from their father. Which one's the fox? That's a good question. The other the other story that's happening is Batman. Basically, just fighting with KG Beast for the entire issue, and beautifully. Uh, oh yeah, it's gorgeous. Most of it is just them making 
punching sound effects yeah. and yeah. pop, bam. <gasps> There's one that just R R R R N. Did you see the one that's C K C K C K? Like, how do you make that sound? How does it? How different does a C and a K sound? I like the R R R R R N, and you just see a foot in the air because <laughs> I imagine they're pooping. <laughs> I love that he shoots him with a batarang at the end. And uh, breaks his neck, and he's like, "Listen, if you give me help, <laughs> if you give me help, I'll tell you who hired me to kill your boy." And Batman's like, "Fuck!" I got Batman. a bullet in my arm and a body of hurt. There's a 300-click walk ahead of me through nothing but snow and ice. I'm the world's greatest detective. I'll find out who hired you, and I'll break them too. You can get your own damn help. Ah. Uh, not a very Bruce thing to do, though, right? Oh, that really bothered yeah, me, that actually. He me. basically just killed the KG beast, except we know he's going to survive, but there's no way Bruce could know he's going to survive, right? Yeah. Unless he's sending Alfred to patch him up afterwards. So, yeah, it is un-Bruce, but maybe... That ain't going to come fix it for him. The point of this storyline being right where it is is maybe to show how the wedding has affected him, so he's, you know, he doesn't okay. care about... The wedding and... Dick getting shot in the head. Yeah, yeah so he's had it rough. He's had it rough. The best. So then okay. how, and I didn't think about that until now, but then how does the fable interact with that? So I guess what I was trying to like, I read this waiting as Nuvi was on in the movie theater, and I was waiting for Benham to stop. Benham. You read this in the theater? Yeah. With Nuvi in your brain? Yeah, I was reading comic books waiting for a comic book movie. You're a stronger man than I am. I can't. I can't tear my eyes off in the new. Off, uh, you can't stop looking at Maria Menounos. No, it's all, it's all the other stuff. It's all the beefy guys on the CBS shows they have. Oh <laughs> yeah. Mm. So I guess what I was thinking is that like, ain't no one beefier than Batman. When it Jango. comes to survival, even if you realize that like the plight for survival is futile, you still turn against your friends. Like we have this fox and the stronger animals consuming and tricking each other to be sur- like, to survive. The fox was orchestrating it the whole time. Though. Yeah, but it's still at the bottom of this hole and probably never able to escape. Yeah. And whether it's just the fox, or, I mean, the pig goes dark. The pig's eyes are evil. Yeah. And I've... and and it's like they, when you'll the the plight for survival kind of trumps everything, even in spite of like the fact that there's this looming, not you're not going to survive getting out of this hole. So why do you want to turn against? So there's like this sort of. Being bad, even for survival, even if it's futile because there's a larger lack of survival going on, and we have these two people in the winter maybe gonna die. That that was the closest I could get. But even still, I'm like, okay, why? I thought it was about Batman's always having a plan and not seeing that Dick would get shot. Like he was so busy planning all the time, being the fox, he forgets about the. He has a blind spot still, but then that by the end of it, it didn't like I thought Batman was this this fox, the schemer, always has a plan, orchestrating things to protect himself, and ultimately he still is just a dude stuck in a cave. But that didn't by the end of it, I was like, no, it's not. I have no idea. I mean, maybe the whole point wasn't that those two tie together. It's just that Bruce and KG Beast had a pretty similar upbringing in some aspects. Like their dad read on the same book. This issue is beautiful. That's awesome. And I really was bothered by the way that the fox finally tricks the the pig. So that, like, the fox gets the the intestines. Very clever, though. Very clever. And uh, of the dog and 
puts them on himself and the pig sees him eating it. And he's like, what are you doing? And he says, oh, pig, I'm eating my own flesh. You tear your belly up and munch it yourself. And the pig does and dies and the fox eats him. Mm-hmm. That's fucked. Yeah, it's like friends Great. turn against their friends I love to stay alive. Too. Yeah. Even when you're still going to die. die. Um, I, but I was like... I don't want to see these cute animals killing and eating each other. I was yeah. like, I don't. You also don't want to see Batman. Yeah, kill, expect kill it from Batman. Beast. Yeah, that's true too. Right? Like maybe that, that's where they're that, going. I don't know. That was the disturbing part to me. Was Batman just being like, "Yeah, fuck you. Your neck's broken. You're drowning in snow. I'm leaving." And I'm playing with my own intestines. Yeah. I have a weird. I only have one rule. For Batman, as he does, yeah, yeah, he follows his one rule. That's until like, Carrie Kelly shows up, and then he starts killing motherfuckers. Not in my Batman. Continuity. He kills the fucking. Well, I guess he doesn't kill the joke. You know, he's like killing yeah. people, but he's yeah. I mean, he's he, he's he tacitly gets, not killing people here. Yeah, yeah, he's pretty fast. I mean, he does try to break the Joker's neck and throws a battering in his eyeball. He just throws the battering in his eyeball and accidentally breaks his neck, and the Joker twists and breaks his own back. And dies. Yeah, but he killed him in the killing joke. Yeah. Sure. He's still around. Yeah, he's fast and loose with his rule. You know, Batman's fast and loose is my point. Yeah. Though I like to pretend that he's a little less fast and especially a little less loose. But Mm. it was rough seeing this. And I also don't like my favorite animal. Though he's a trickster being like a malicious, evil fucking mastermind. Well, I don't think... I didn't didn't interpret him, him being like the evil mastermind. I feel like... You know, the pig was in on tricking people into being... It's, it's just that, like... Just the intestine things. That, yeah. He did him dirty. The fuck? He did him dirty. killed the shit out of him. He did him <laughs> dirty. Did you hear about the pig? <laughs> <laughs> they killed the shit out of that they pig. They murdered the <laughs> fuck out of that pig. Fuck, I love that pig. <laughs> Tom King went over our heads with his little cutesy metaphors. I liked it. I gave yeah. it an 8.5. I'll give it a solid 7.5. I love Tony Daniel Art, and I like seeing him hurry. You know, I like... I like that he got three issues out in two weeks between issues. Like it's yeah. it's not the same super polished Tony Daniels we've seen in the past. I give it an eight. I the Batman thing's fucking with you. It's fucking with me. That's the why Batman I give it a thing's 7. fucking 5. with me a, a little bit. But I I like the read that he's just a little a little too brutal because he's so fucked up and hurt. And Bane yeah. is actually getting through to him. And maybe Bane's entire goal is to get Batman to kill somebody. Yeah. Like that would be enough of a breaking of Batman's moral yeah, compass. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, right? I think I that like might that. be the the master plan. Though. Yeah, the thing, the thing that bothers how... me is that that those two stories do not parallel. Yeah, that's as far as I can as see. Well. It's it's a fight scene and Batman being a butthole versus a fox. But that's the thing about yeah. metaphor, man. Like sometimes it only makes sense to the person telling the metaphor, but like if they can see the comparison. I want to think that there's a comparison. I there. I have to think there is. I have. Maybe to it's think there maybe is. it's a comparison to a, the the larger story. Yeah, I mean, like maybe you know. he gets it, and we don't see the whole thing yet to fully understand it. Which I think there's elements of like his beginning run that were like that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I don't know. Not 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 saying you're wrong at all. I, I I I do think that my Batman in my head is more brutal than I wish he was. Gosh, I really, really like the idea of Bane trying to get Batman to break, because that would be the ultimate way for Batman, like, the only way that, anyone that can, the only one that can truly beat Batman is himself by breaking that rule, so that would be... Yeah, I think that would be really cool. Good one, Bane! And Tom! I would really like it if it took him 85 issues to get there, too. I think that would be super cool. Yeah. Because... 
he almost got Batman there a couple times already. And whenever you see Gotham Girl show back up, yeah, she apparently what about marries the Joker. Duke. Fucking Skeets, or you know, Joker killed everyone in that damn church. Catwoman is she going to keep her own series if she ever comes back? Do they actually Listen, end up together? I'm Jeff, <laughs> and I have to go because my ride's outside. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm Django Collis. Oh, fuck. No, yeah. no, no. They can find it. Hey, I'm sorry. Find the fucking phone number. You're right. No, you're right. Quality is the most important thing. Listen. Is your ride looking at those crazy guys out there pumping the music and uh, selling selling the marijuana or whatever they sell out there? <laughs> you fucking bet they are. <laughs> Listen, we have a phone number. and What is it? It's one. Got to dial that one. It's one six one nine six six three. 7336. Oh. You can call us and leave a voicemail. Um, you can ask us a question. You can send us an elevator pitch for something you want to hear about. Or if you want to tell us about your favorite memory of you when you were a child first having Murphy's apple juice. Mm, we got Roman and Colette's. I don't know if you've gotten our, your first Murphy's apple juice memory. Maybe I'll tell it next week if they renew. Oh, that's true. that's true. We're holding a ransom. <laughs> hey, Dusty Old Murph, I'm looking at you. <laughs> Cliffhanger, Dusty. Um, leave us a yeah voicemail with anything. Just review your own comic. Tell us whatever. that We love hearing from you guys. We like each other a lot, but we like you guys almost as much. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, what else we got? Thank you to Nick Waite for all those jazzy tunes we've got floating around this year podcast. Thanks to Wilson Large for... Uh Doing the dark darkness. The Very dark. proud of you, Wilson. Thanks so much, and thank you for the the uh, big boy juice. And uh, go indie his go go. Please support that local art from good folks. Justin, what's your sign off? Uh, like, what's your house cleaning? Cleaning my house cleaning. Yeah, I'm Justin. I'm Django, and I don't know how to sweep. And I'm Jeff, and I just want to slow down and make sure we've got quality here. Um, quality like Murphy's apple juice quality like Murphy's apple juice we used to do shoes now we do juice <laughs> and um, yeah you know I'll probably just sort of talk like this and <laughs> have the volume slowly get lower and the music get a little bit louder and you know. <laughs> Django you dirty fart